Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 808. Grass-fed versus grain-fed beef. What's the difference? By Chris Gunners with Healthline.com. And I'm your host and narrator, Dr. Neil. Hey there, happy Wednesday. Oh, and hey, uh, today is my birthday. Wait, let's see, yeah, Wednesday, Thursday. Yep, today is my birthday. Well, what do you know? Welcome back to Optimal Health Daily, where I read some of the best health and fitness blogs to you, usually with a little bit of my commentary at the end. So those that know me have been asking, what are you gonna do for your birthday? It's a milestone birthday. I'm not gonna tell you which milestone it is, but I did decide that I'm gonna try something I've never done before. My family was horrified when I said, hey, how about I do some skydiving or hang gliding? I've wanted to hang glide since I was a kid. I've always wanted to be Batman, and that was the closest thing I could come up with to actually flying and gliding through the air like Batman, but that was quickly nixed. So I'm gonna do indoor skydiving, which I guess is far safer. So I'll let you know how that goes, but I'm not gonna do it till this weekend, so you'll have to wait to hear about it. Okay, now back to the show. Don't forget, I answer your questions every Friday. You can send one in at oldpodcast.com. If you do, you'll be entered into small special raffles to win books from us. But for now, let's get right to it and start optimizing your life. Grass-fed versus grain-fed beef. What's the difference? By Chris Gunners with Healthline.com. The way cows are fed can have a major effect on the nutrient composition of the beef. Whereas cattle today are often fed grains, the animals people ate throughout evolution roamed free and ate grass. Many studies have shown that the nutrients in beef can vary depending on what the cows eat. Where beef is mass-produced, such as in the U.S., cattle are usually grain-fed. However, grass-fed beef is common in many other countries, such as Australia. But does the way cows are fed make any difference to your health? This article looks at the difference. The difference between grass-fed and grain-fed cattle. In the US, most cows start out living similar lives. The calves are born in the early spring, drink milk from their mothers, and many are then allowed to roam free and eat grass or other edible plants they find in their environment. This continues for about seven to nine months. After that, most conventionally raised cows are moved to feedlots. Large feedlots are called Concentrated Animal Feeding Operations, or CAFOs. There, the cows are kept in confined stalls, often with limited space. They are rapidly fattened up with grain-based feeds, usually made from a base of soy or corn. Typically, their diet is also supplemented with small amounts of dried grass. To maximize growth, the cows are often given drugs, such as antibiotics and growth hormones. 
The cows live in these feedlots for a few months before being brought to a slaughterhouse. Of course, it's not really that simple. The different feeding practices are complicated and varied. For example, grass-fed beef in Australia may not be directly comparable to U.S. products, and grass-fed beef isn't necessarily pasture-raised. Not all grass-fed cows are allowed to graze outdoors. The term grass-fed isn't even clearly defined. But generally speaking, grass-fed cows eat mostly grass, while grain-fed cows eat mostly an unnatural diet based on corn and soy during the latter part of their lives. Summary. Most cows start out on a pasture, drinking milk and eating grass. However, conventionally raised cows are later moved to feedlots and fed mainly grain-based feeds. Differences in fatty acid composition. You are what you eat applies to cows too. What a cow eats can have a major effect on the nutrient composition of the beef. This is particularly evident when it comes to the fatty acid composition. Grass-fed beef usually contains less total fat than grain-fed beef, which means that gram for gram, grass-fed beef contains fewer calories. But the composition of fatty acids is also different. 1. Monounsaturated fat. Grass-fed beef contains much less monounsaturated fat than grain-fed beef. 2. Omega-6 polyunsaturated fats. Grass-fed and grain-fed beef contain very similar amounts of omega-6 fatty acids. 3. Omega-3s. This is where grass-fed really makes a major difference, containing up to five times as much omega-3. 4. Conjugated linoleic acid, or CLA. Grass-fed beef contains about twice as much CLA as grain-fed beef. This fatty acid is associated with a few health benefits. In short, there are some significant differences in the fat composition and amounts of grass-fed beef when compared to grain-fed. The cow breed and type of meat cut also have a considerable effect on the fat composition of beef. Summary. Grass-fed beef may contain less total fat than grain-fed beef, but a lot more omega-3 fatty acids and CLA, which are both linked to health benefits. Grass-fed beef is more nutritious. Both grain-fed and grass-fed beef are a highly concentrated source of nutrients. Beef is loaded with vitamin B12, B3, and B6. It's also rich in highly bioavailable iron, selenium, and zinc. In fact, meat contains almost every nutrient that people need to survive. It also contains a high-quality protein and various lesser-known nutrients such as creatine and carnosine, which are very important for your muscles and your brain. But even though the difference isn't great, grass-fed beef generally contains higher amounts of certain nutrients. Compared to grain-fed beef, grass-fed is much higher in the following vitamins. Vitamin A. Grass-fed beef contains carotenoid precursors to vitamin A, such as beta-carotene. Vitamin E. This is an antioxidant that sits in your cell membranes and protects them from oxidation. Grass-fed beef also tends to be richer in other antioxidants. Summary. Conventional grain-fed beef is highly nutritious, but grass-fed beef contains more carotenoids, vitamin E, and other antioxidants. Is grass-fed beef worth the extra cost and potential inconvenience? It's important to keep in mind that even conventional grain-fed beef can be nutritious. As long as you don't overcook your beef, which can lead to the formation of harmful compounds, it is a nutritious food that can be part of a healthy diet. In the U.S., grass-fed beef can be more expensive, and it may not be worth the extra cost for some people. Depending on where you live, it may also be inconvenient to buy grass-fed beef. While some people may live close to a farmer's market or whole food store, others may need to drive long distances to find grass-fed beef for purchase. 
there can also be subtle differences in taste. Grass-fed beef is often leaner and may have a different texture. Even though grass-fed beef contains higher amounts of certain nutrients, there is currently no compelling evidence that it's significantly healthier than grain-fed beef in the context of a balanced diet. In the end, the choice depends on your preferences and ideals. Some people prefer grass-fed, others grain-fed. Try both and see which one you like better. Summary. Although grass-fed and grain-fed beef differ in several nutrients, their effects on health may be similar. The bottom line. Despite all the controversies in the field of nutrition, most people are beginning to agree that the most important thing is to eat real food. Some people like to take this idea a step further and only eat real food that eats real food. After all, grasses and herbs are a more natural diet for cows than corn and soy. At the end of the day, the choice depends on your preferences and values. You just listened to the post titled Grass-Fed versus Grain-Fed Beef. What's the difference? By Chris Gunners with Healthline.com. Dr. Neil here for my commentary. I appreciate that Chris mentioned your ideals and your values because you may have been listening to this and going, well, wait a minute, what about corn and soy being fed to cows and them not being able to necessarily digest it appropriately? Because you may have heard about that. You may have also heard that when ruminant animals like cows consume corn and soy, there may be an increased risk for their meat to develop E. coli. This would be the harmful E. coli 0157H7 strain that when ingested in humans can be very harmful. It can lead to kidney disease and even death. So yes, there are studies that show that when ruminant animals like cows consume corn instead of grass, it may actually increase the likelihood of certain toxins being found in their muscle, which we then eat. But again, the purpose of Chris's article wasn't necessarily to talk about infectious disease. He was basically looking at the composition of the beef and how it differs because those would be completely separate articles. And that's why I'm bringing it up here. I wanted to add those extra little tidbits in case you were wondering about it. But when we look at the macro and micronutrient composition of the beef, yes, there are some slight differences between grass-fed and grain-fed beef. They just may not be as significant as we once thought. The other thing I often get asked is, Dr. Neil, do you eat beef? Do you eat red meat? My answer is, very, very rarely do I eat red meat. And then, of course, the follow-up to that is, why not? And the reason for that is when you look at, for example, the Harvard School of Public Health, many of their publications have found that, for some, when they consume red meat regularly, their risk for disease increases. So off the top of my head, I remember a study that was published that said men, specifically, who consumed more than 18 ounces of red meat each week had an increased risk for certain types of cancers, had an increased risk for cardiovascular disease, which we're talking about heart attack, stroke, those kinds of things. So in some people, but not everyone, red meat can be pro-inflammatory. It can increase systemic inflammation, which would then increase their risk for things like cardiovascular disease and certain cancers. And what's really fascinating is they're discovering certain genetic variants. So what they're finding is in some cultures, for some with certain genetic predispositions, eating red meat regularly is perfectly fine. There's no increased risk for disease. In others, and from what I remember off the top of my head, those from East Asian countries, when they consume red meat, their risk for disease goes up. Red meat becomes 
pro-inflammatory in those folks, and again, likely due to their genetic makeup. So the bottom line for me would be probably eat red meat in moderation. Most of us would do well to follow that piece of advice and consider the whole picture when choosing grass-fed versus grain-fed. Think about E. coli, think about your values, and that will probably steer your purchase. All right, that does it from me for today. I hope you have a great rest of your Wednesday. I'll see you back here for tomorrow's show where your optimal life awaits. Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this show and Optimal Living Daily, the brother podcast of this one. Literally, I'm Dr. Neil's brother. If you like the format of this show, you'll love Optimal Living Daily too, where I also read to you from blogs, but cover other topics like personal development, finance, and minimalism from bloggers like Derek Sivers, The Minimalists, Zen Habits, and many more. So for more amazing content read to you for free, come subscribe to Optimal Living Daily too, and together we'll optimize your life. You've been listening to Optimal Health Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift, as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your optimal life awaits.